Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, welcome back to the Get ready for some awesome. Okay, uh... That came in too hot. You came in real strong right there, very strong. Yeah. That's the uh, kind of entrance I like to make. Yeah, I feel like every time you start to do that, I start to like adjust the audio levels, and still that time, it it, uh, transcended the audio level I was waiting for. Wait, you saw it coming? No, no, it was just a lucky guess. (laughs) Lucky guess. Jonathan, the listeners have been sending in questions as they always do about you. Uh, you were the, uh, the, one of the... Uh, Redemptive yeah, things about the podcast? Wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say that the issues that typically uh, are broached in emails. One of the questions that has recently come in is, have you reassessed your rankings of friends in your life, Jonathan? And has Luke been able to move up the rankings? People want to know. Who's, who are these people? I, they didn't, uh, this person gave me permission to have her name, uh, said in the podcast, but, um, it's a, it's a fair question. Is it Lindsay? <laughs> you think, Is that how Lindsay gets questions to you? Do, do you think Lindsay listens to the podcast? That's <laughs> yeah, so true. I think she listened to the first few. Yeah. Yeah, I, honey, that's good. That's I, good. I had one where I was editing with like without headphones in and it was, I think it was Wade Hodges, like. 200 episodes ago and she was like i i can't listen to this you're too sarcastic i don't want to no so no that that is definitely not her but (laughs) i feel like you're uh trying to step around the question would you just answer it um i did look at the list this week within the last seven days and you your place is secure i'll say that Mm. (laughs) your place is secure rick is still holding me off for that fourth spot okay rick fine rick is um He's up there. He's okay. up there. Fine. I, what What do you feel like he's done in the last six months more than me? Um. Well, I'm I'm literally writing your Lent series for you. You are not writing that series. We we have written it together. Although Rick uh, has helped with the vision of the next ten years of the church that I work at substantially. You've mm. you've helped. Now you have helped with that a lot because I'm like, I don't want to do it that way or <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. No, it's not. It's not like friendship is useful, right? It's like friendship as people that show up for you and you're going to show up for. And, um, you are definitely. So if, if I'm on the, that list, if Rick and I both had our vehicles break down and we needed some help, <laughs> you would go mm, Rick four, Luke five, Luke, you're on your own. Okay, so hold on. It's not like I'm number one on your top ten list, right? Who's your number one? I I don't do like rankings. I do tiers. Okay, so we're in the same tier. You're in the same tier. So there's no way that that is that that this is the if they get if they die on their way to the baptistry kind of question that you're trying okay. to ask me. Okay, fine. All right. Okay. So anyway, the point is, you're not. Uh, I haven't moved up the list. Uh, you're still in the top. You haven't tier moved down. You haven't moved down. Okay, that's fair. And so, like, uh, last, when when you wanted to go to Miami uh, a couple months ago mm-hmm. for the Villain Series, because you're on that list, I was able, I said to Leslie, hey, babe, I really, I want to do this. Him. Yeah, and I'm, I'm reading a book right now. Um, gosh, what's it called? We Should Hang Out. It was in the New York Times book review on uh, friendship specifically for – it's written 
from a man's perspective. Uh, but he's a Boston Globe journalist who was talking about the lack of male friendships. Mm-hmm. And um, in it, it's 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 an okay book. He's not a great writer, but I really like his his uh, concepts on there. And did you have things- to say that? Did you have to say he's not a great writer? He his literal his literal job is. He writes for the Boston Globe. And yeah, he's, he's, he's not, not a like writer. a not. He's he's a he's a journalist, right? Like so, he's uh, it, it's kind of a, a um, memoirish. Uh, it's it's just it's good. It's not okay. It's not all great. Right. Okay, but he he says friendship is the thing you do after all the other crap is done, and the other crap is never done. And <laughs> so, like, part of I think that's right. I think one of the reasons that friendship is like. Uh, why people are so lonely and have struggled with a lot of mental health issues these days is because we're always trying to, you know, maximize the use of our time and friendship seems a little bit like a waste of it. Right. So this is, I think a real big thing for uh, churches to kind of re reevaluate how they are as a community of friends as well. How would you think we would reorient the life of a community when we're prioritizing uh, probably friendship. I think in the context I'm in, it would be maybe turn down the, the volume on the need to get information mm-hmm. into people and more, uh, you know, see, seeing things like fellowship as a spiritual discipline and, yep. um, and then also like making more of, the making place in your life for that. So like, I know we had talked a few days ago about the rule of life that I'm trying to help people with. And one of those things is relationships. And like, do you have time for friends? Do you have a night a week that you invite people over that or go, you know, have, is this, is this something that is important to you in your life? And if not, How's that working out for you? When when you say like for you the that relationships are a priority. Obviously, the example you used before is hey, I'm going to make time to go hang out with friends who live in different states and cities so that we can get mm-hmm. together. Uh, but like week to week, day to day, like what does that what does that look like? Um, well, before I hopped on this podcast, I called somebody on my on my list that I haven't talked to in six weeks, um, and I was didn't know we were going to be talking about this, but. I was just, hey, how's it going? It was just a ten minute conversation, but you you just drift apart from people if you don't do stuff like that. Yeah, that makes and sense. And I haven't got this figured out, obviously, but I, I I've figured out enough of my life to know that if I don't whatever I'm not intentional about doesn't flourish. Mm-hmm. And so this piece of my life is important enough to me that um you well you remember being at preacher camp together and me talking about how lonely I was, like, what was it, nine, ten years ago? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and and just, okay, well, what are you going to do about that? Because, mm-hmm. um, anyway. Well, I'm glad that I fixed that for you. You don't feel lonely anymore because <laughs> yeah. of me. When you, so you mentioned a rule of life, and for some, let's kind of like do an intro to rule of life. It, okay. Who, who does it come from? 
Is it? Uh, it's a Benedictine, right? I, th- I thought it was. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, as you describe, did have you preached about this recently? Uh, yeah, uh, that series. I think we the last time we podcasted was what end of the year. That sounds right. So I was starting a series in January called Back to Better. Since the world is opening, it's going to go back to something like normal in the next few months. Let's not go back to normal. Let's go back to better. And it was just the things. So like uh, there were there were a lot of things that people across the world did that was kind of interesting to see when everything stopped being normal. uh, People all over the world started reconnecting with old friends that they had drifted away from. I know that happened old Harding friends that I hadn't talked to in years, a dude whose marriage I had to, his wedding I couldn't do because it was a big yeah. day, a big Sunday at Highland. So I, he came over to our house with his wife that I'd never met and we, we did it, the marriage. <laughs> I apologize that I couldn't be there and cause he was important to me at yeah. uh, that season of my life. And I, I just, Anyway, that happened all over the yeah. place, and and so you're you're preaching about this, like let's go back to better, let's re, yeah, re, re, and so you've given like, hey, here's something to work on. It should be a priority to have this kind of written out understanding, like this is who you are, this is what you want to do, yeah. In terms of like the follow up from that with your your congregants, how's that been? Man, it's been really rewarding and life-giving. Uh, you know, it's not like it's been just a flood of people. I think I've had like 15 people sign up for it. But it um, it basically, I, it's like I'm a, a spiritual doctor in some ways. That's, the conversation, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, the conversations have been, and again, I don't present myself as an expert, just as somebody who is trying to, growing this myself. Um, and I got some training in it, but the, you know, these are, these are not people that like at Highland, I had a fifth of my church had a master's degree in religion of some kind. And that's, a, that, that, that's not true. Like, no, that, but it's up there. It, I mean, I would like imagine, I w- well, I would imagine that, uh, maybe 20% of the church did have master's degrees. Um, wow. I mean, that's extremely high. But well, yeah, it's Highland. One time, Mike Cope, <laughs> he put up in Latin the words, "If you can read this, you're overeducated," and the whole the church started laughing. That's such an insider joke. Yeah, it is, and I couldn't have read it. <laughs> you know, in English, you probably couldn't. Have <laughs> Overeducated—that's a big word. It is. It's monosyllabic, or it's not <laughs> monosyllabic. So there's a difference of talking about a rule of life in a highly educated church in Abilene, Texas, compared to Arkansas. Yeah. So part of part of what I, w- I was just saying, like rule of life is is um, it's not familiar ways of thinking. We're familiar with rules, but rule of life is like <clears throat> it, the original word for rule in Latin comes from like a trellis for a vine. Yeah. To help kind of put it together. And so it's just being intentional about the aspects of your life and the way that these zoom meetings have gone over the past couple of weeks have been something like, tell me where it hurts. Like that. Where's the pain in your life that you, you, you keep finding yourself like, how do I, how do I deal with this? And it's everything from addictions to, um, 
self-esteem issues to uh, habits that aren't aren't helpful yeah. for you know. So, so if someone says self-esteem is this sore spot that I, I feel a lot of issues. I feel often, I you know, stuff comes out of it. When you're trying to develop a rule of life around self-esteem, what are you prescribing? Well, so, man, I, I actually think self-esteem is rebranded pride. So, like, there's a there's a hold huge, on, you got to explain that. That's good. Well, okay, so pride for you know a long time Christians have said pride is bad, and I think it was some sometime in the early 1900s that, gosh, I'd have to pull up my notes from this, but um, some people rebranded the phrase pride as self-esteem. This is back when I preached on the seven deadly sins, I was reading this. But here's what, here's something that psychologists know um, and criminologists. There is not a, 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 there's not a correlation between high self-esteem and people being better to other people. In fact, there is a correlation between people having high self-esteem and doing violent crimes or being narcissists. And so I don't think the answer to low self-esteem is high self-esteem. I think the answer to low self-esteem is humility and um, like, but real gospel kind of humility where it's like not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Yeah. It seems um, that it seems that like being arrogant and like having low self esteem are two sides of the same coin. That's those right. Those... And and so that's why you have like the uh, if you have struggles with low self esteem, you also tend to have seasons where you're like, man, I'm pretty great. Yeah. I speak. I'm speaking this as an expert, like as somebody who pride is a, a strong grip in my own life and trying to work on on that. So that that would be what I would I would say with them, like. No, but then, okay, so practices, yeah. Practices for humility are things like the discipline of secrecy, doing things that only God knows about, um, maybe reevaluating your relationships with social media. Um, you know, th- those those are just, I would, I would ask questions about when do you feel the most insecure? Um, what, what are your habitual kind of, uh, what what do you habitually do for your life with God? How do you try to bring awareness of God's presence into your day? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, no, that's good. That's so good yeah, stuff. you go through and I think I got the template I'm using from Bridgetown church, which might be John Mark Comer. Um, but mm, that sounds it, right. It's just here. I, I have it right here. And This was just from yesterday doing this, but so abiding the mind. So like uh, digital discipleship is a big thing for people who are under 40 body. Like uh, how are you, you know, are you going on walks? Do you uh, relationships? So friendship, rest, um, work and money and gospel and hospitality. So those are the different areas that, yeah. And just kind of, Think it through your day, your week, your month, because, you know, habit makes a trait, trait makes character, character makes destiny. Ooh. Another Friday night light. <laughs> That's a Coach thing. Taylorism right there. Yeah, it is. It's still true, though. Yeah, it's sure. It's 100% sure. true. But it's uh, it's definitely Coach Taylor. So you've been doing a lot of uh, rule of life stuff. Yeah. 
and that's, it, good. that's been really rewarding. We were talking off air. Uh, I I think the last twelve months for me have exposed how the models of American church are good supplements and not good replacements for a life with Jesus. Yeah. They're, they're important, but you can go to church and, you know, still believe really harmful things. Like it doesn't really change people's lives if it's not, if it's not, um, if it's bigger than just about attending church. Yeah. I think it's, it's extremely helpful and important for your spiritual nourishment Mm-hmm. But to think that it's the entire meal, I think, would be short-sighted. Because I think what we're going to find going forward is a lot of people really like the routine of waking up, turning the TV on, and that counting as a church box. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be really hard for a lot of people to create a new routine. I mean, even for me, like we've gotten used to doing one service, and that's it. At some point, you know, we're going to have conversations about what does it look like going forward. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be hard for me to change a routine, depending on what we do to, making it longer. And I'm just going like, I've done that for years and all of a sudden going back to something that requires more time and more effort and, you know, more time away from my family. Like, I don't want to step back into that. There's a part Mm -hmm. of me that doesn't, but every one of us has to go like, what is best for my soul? And sitting at home watching TV is, you know, it's a great supplement if that's all you can do. And there's some people that's the, the totality of their experience of church because of, you know, certain life circumstances they've been dealt. But I think one of the things that we're finding is that people are deeply disconnected and you hear people com- complain, like, I-, I feel so isolated. I feel like I don't know anyone. And we're going, well, this is kind of the game plan. We, we drew this up and we're saying we're going to socially distance ourselves from each other. Oh yeah. And now all of a sudden you're experiencing the consequences of being distant. Now, obviously this is a time and a season that that was the responsible thing to do, but mm-hmm. to think that that doesn't have an effect on our soul and doesn't have an effect on the way that we live out this lifestyle we've signed up for in our baptism, mm-hmm. it's a little bit short-sighted and it doesn't work out. I, uh, I was talking with a, a leader the other day about who leads a church and he said, we're going to have to delicately um, unsay some of the things that we've had to say over the last year, which is, you know, the church isn't a building, which is true. Um, church can happen, you know? Yeah. Church is wherever God happens, in the words of Rowan Williams. Do, but, do you remember when we did those Get Out Sundays? Hey, we're going to yeah, take the church yeah, outside church, the building. Church has left the building. Yeah. We, it was a novelty, like back in the 80s and the 90s, when we had this like legalistic understanding that you had to be in a church building three times a week. And it really was helpful back then. Yeah. But we're well past that. Yeah. We, get get all, in Sundays. We've get been in. out of, like, this is pre-COVID. Like, I'm not saying this is right now. I'm not, you know. This yeah, is a time yeah. and a season that's that's unique. But well before COVID, people were already out of the building. And now we have to reestablish the importance of what we do on Sunday morning. That it, it, like, it really matters. Don't you think Churches of Christ, now this is inside baseball for people outside of our tribe listening, but Churches of Christ, I think, might be a little bit better at recovering than <clears throat> other denominations because we, you know, our, our weakness was also our strength. We put so much weight on the assembly um, and the you know different acts of worship and getting assembly right, but it really did matter. Assembly mattered, huh. and um, I, I think- you know I th- one of the things that I think helps 
certain churches reestablish the assembly is an understanding that you encounter God in the assembly. So yeah. the the more charismatic Pentecostal churches who believe that there is an encounter that happens in the building, I think they're going to have an easier time returning. Well, I think many of them have already come back, but <laughs> let's let's be honest, they probably didn't leave. But the ones who, who see church as, it's funny because it's true, but the yeah. ones who see church as like, I'm downloading some information, I'm listening sure. to a sermon, I'm getting some content. I think that's going to be struggle. I think it's going to be a struggle because you can download the content any place, but you can't have an encounter with God in the same way any place. And, you know, one of the things, if you're, if you think a church as consumeristic, then you're like, man, I, I go because I yeah. need, but if, if you realize like, okay, you, you are church, you go because you know that there's stuff that you're going to bring to somebody else that yep. they would be robbed from if you weren't there. Um, and yeah, I think something happens in the corporate gathering of God's people that doesn't happen. And again, that can happen under a mango tree or in a yep. big building like this. But I do think our fellowship, uh, if the DNA is still there enough, and it is for me in Little Rock, I think it, it, you know, you talked about the 90s and 80s, the get out of the church thing. When I got to PV uh, 2018, that first year, they had their, I think, second or third get out of the church Sunday. I'm trying not to make Arkansas jokes, and I, you're you're tempting me beyond what I, I can stand. <laughs> so, so I, I actually, I, I don't. I'm saying it as a strength because um, I do think that there, th- this is a, a strength that our fellowship had that caused a lot of divisiveness over like how to do church, but we. We cared enough to argue about it. Yeah. And um, anyway, I think now that- you're onto something. You're on, and I and I also think what you said just a second before that is really uh, appropriate. Many of us go to church thinking, "How am I going to be fed? How am I going to receive something that helps me this week?" And we think of it as, "What do I get?" Instead of, "How can I be an encouragement? How can I help feed someone else? How can I help someone else?" find some mm-hmm. life-giving connection with God through our interaction. I, I think that's going to have to be, you know, recalculated. I also think we're going to have to reestablish how to turn your phone off during the podcast, which uh, <laughs> maybe on, might just take this real quick. Yeah, that's <laughs> just kidding. Is it Rick? It's Rick, isn't it? <laughs> it's Leslie. <laughs> it's... Okay, so. she can be. Where is she, where is she in the list? Uh, she is numero uno. Man. Okay, good. Just she is. Just want to make sure is, Rick wasn't above her too. She, gosh, somebody's got some real bitterness that they got to work through here. No, no. Maybe if I was better at golf, you'd like me more. <laughs> so you know, I never I got mean, invited to go golfing. <laughs> really? Which, yeah. Which is why I'm not higher on that list. But I think he saw my short little T Rex arms hmm. um, and thought, you know what, we're. I've already given this kid enough. He never said, hey, let me teach you how to golf. Let me bring you out one time. Let's go no, to the driving range. And, and Byron Nelson was at yeah. the hills. So I I uh, feel like I really wasted an opportunity to – which is why I think Chris Seaman is phenomenal at golf probably. He probably yeah. took Byron Nelson out. He, he probably know. also just like camps outside of – uh, Peggy's house right now, uh, Byron's <laughs> widow, and uh, just just like, hey, let me just smell some of those trophies from through the window. 
I like that we're making Chris such a creepy guy. <laughs> I, we didn't make him that way. I didn't say that. It was my fault he's a creep. No, I'm kidding. He's not. He's, he's a not great creepy. person. Yeah. Uh, speaking of villains, uh, <laughs> so we decided to do a series leading up until uh, Easter on villains of the Bible. And honestly, it's your idea. I just ripped it off from you. And it's a really good idea. I really like it a lot. It's fun, isn't it, man? Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped that we got to do it. And I got to meet uh, your friend Jay through through this. Right. Yeah, Jason Miller, friend of the podcast. So let's uh, let, t- talk about kind of the trajectory it would take for him to get, say, top 20 in the list. Do you think there's <laughs> possibility? Like, what are some yeah. strengths that he brings yeah. that would give that a possibility for him? Uh, well, he knows Pete Budacek, so that's something. Yeah, there's that Mayor Pete thing. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think uh, he, I didn't know he had Church of Christ roots. He he says he does, but they're not real Church of Christ roots. <laughs> they got piano. Yeah, there's a piano. Yeah, you grew up. Them. It's it's not. That's not really it. And to be fair, Chaston and Mayor Pete have since left South Bend, and so they're not really his neighbors anymore. So really, he's just dropping down on that potential list already. I, like I I just want to bring truth to some of the things that you brought up that are not accurate. But he's got their ottoman. Yeah, he does. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's that. When uh, when you preach leading up until Easter, the Lenten series, and you're thinking about repentance, how do you? Th- how are you trying to get people to articulate what repentance looks like for them? Um, you know, I think this is what is cool about the villain series is because we love to hate the bad guys but what's what's the name of that book that chuck klosterman i wear the black hat yeah i wear the black hat yeah can can you like summarize the big ideas of that book real quick no i can't (laughs) i I have i I read it like three years ago and i I, I listened to an audible if i would have known we were doing the series i obviously would have read it but it uh it was an audible and i'll have but i mean the idea is the villain wears a black hat and i think the title (laughs) is like i wear the black hat so there is some similar move of going wait a minute uh, yeah, you know, the villain isn't always someone over there. It's 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 me yeah. who's also wearing the the villain's garb. So I'm kind of filtering villains through uh, seven deadly sins in some ways because I think those are so like insightful for you know it's the psychology before psychologist. It's the yeah the desert fathers who are just here's the way human beings tick and the stuff that kind of um destroys our soul and our lives and the people around us. And so the different, the different kind of deadly sins like this week is Saul and David and envy and, Oh man, listen to this. This is so the hot burning story, uh, like a thing that comes up at least twice a day in our home right now is who has bigger muscles, me or Xander's dad. Who's Xander's dad? Joel's best friend is a kid named Xander. And he says that Xander's dad have, has muscles this big, and I have muscles only this big. So I'm just making a, a side. So, for reference, he's comparing a four-inch arm to a three-inch arm. No, that's, I'm, <laughs> that's like this big. Okay, I guess. It is, anyway. This is an audio medium. They can't yeah, see yes, what you're doing I, Right, that's true. <laughs> so... Um, Anyway, so I've been every day. I keep bringing it up because Joel is just no Xander's dad has bigger muscles than you. And I found out 
a few days ago, Joel has never met Xander's dad. He's, just he's only with you. he no, he's just taking Xander's word for it. Oh, so part of me is like, dude, toe the party line, man. Like yeah. these are your genes. You're gonna you're gonna inherit this. This whole my dad's stronger than your dad. He's like, eh, I've met my dad. Yeah, you're probably chances right. are, yeah, chances yeah. are it's not gonna be him. <laughs> so I'm I was telling you that because I'm opening up that Sunday talking about Saul losing his freaking mind Mm -hmm. over David and just basically how everybody, uh, Saul is an easy villain to hate, Mm -hmm. but you know, we, we all struggle with wanting the people who are the most like us not to get do any better than us. And what is that? Like, what is that? If that's not evil? Yeah. When you, when you're defining what evil is, how do you do it? Like, how, how are you defining? Because I, I, we used the uh, Cain and Abel story early on. I think it was the first s- sermon I think we did. And uh, there's a video I showed because the Cain story says, uh, you know, God speaks to him and says, you know, evil is lurking at your door. It's desires to master you. And so mm-hmm. like the way I was teaching is like the idea that he is unaware of what's right outside, what's chasing him. And so yeah. I, I showed this video. I don't know if I sent it to you or not, but it's a bear chasing this guy down a ski slope. And so the guy's skiing, <laughs> but he's just cutting back and forth, you know, just like he has no idea that there's a bear right behind him. So he's just oh doing, goodness. yeah, he's just like doing his pie and then his uh, French fries, you know, like the very slow ski kind of yeah. back and forth. And uh, after I showed the video, I realized I don't know how the video ends. So it's a really funny video, assuming he doesn't get mauled to death at the end. Um, and I realized that on the stage is like, yeah, let's just assume he, this ends up yeah. well. But the idea that it, sin is like this active force that's coming after yeah, us yeah. To, to destroy us. And we all have to acknowledge that it has, it has this desire to do something to us. And it's not just like sin isn't this like, oh, you know, you just took the wrong step and you accidentally said the wrong word. And, you know, therefore God gets mad because you choose door A instead of door B. Yeah, yeah. But there's like this active presence trying to pull you away from who God created you to be. Yeah, so I think one of the biggest problems American Christians have in our day and age is a thin view of sin. I think that uh, in the the last uh, maybe few decades, um, we we have defined sin by boundary marker issues, uh, forgetting why those boundary markers were there. Like in the prohibition, drinking. Yeah, um, drinking. I could see being a huge thing in in that era because men were. You know, they were abusing their kids, their yeah. wives, all those things. Have you uh, read the like the numbers of how much alcohol people were drinking every day on average back then? It uh-uh. will blow your mind, like the amount. It's just unbelievable. So it, it like the point is it's a substantial issue. Sure. And now yeah, so and it was destroying people, the it, you know, it's a selfish uh implosion that blows up everybody. And so, you know, prohibition was actually like um, a progressive thing. Like it was led by the progressives of the day. Um, the same people who were doing like women's lib and those kind of things. And we, I think we forget that because it, things have switched around. But anyway, um, so we take that and we say, okay, Christians don't drink or whatever. Um, and just have a thin boundary marker view of sin where sin like, Real, the real evil that we do 
to other people and um, how we destroy our own lives tends to be trying to uh, I mean itself it's yeah. it, itself I, I mean how do you describe it I'm here here's a hot take I think substitutionary penal atonement being the main image that we understand for what Jesus did on the cross perpetuates that sort of anemic view of what sin is. Because because the idea is like there's something that you do it makes God mad, therefore Jesus had to make God less mad by dying on the cross. Hmm. If that's like the worst version of oh, yeah, okay. but if it's like Chris is Victor, that Jesus overcomes the enemies that are against God, with the last one being death. You know, this is first Corinthians fifteen. Yeah. It, it, Jesus is overcoming this force that is working against God's good creation. And so there is this active enemy that is in competition with God's kingdom on the earth. Obviously, Jesus trumps it, overcomes it. Um, but instead of this, like, hey, you step out of bound, therefore God gets mad, it's this, like, you're competing against something mm-hmm. for for the life that, that God has given all of creation. Sure, and that that's something that animates us, too, though. Like, one of the... One, what do you mean by animates? So, like, um, it's the very best people that kill Jesus. It's the most yeah. religious people. It's the most sophisticated um government the world had ever seen you know if if you can fix it by government or religion then they had thought of it or tried it and they they're the ones that killed jesus yeah and so um you know it's interesting evil death is in the world and by genesis 3 but then god uses death by limiting the lifespans of people after he, after he um, sees Noah's generation, yeah. like th- that every, so I guess Genesis six, where God says every inclination of the human heart is evil, and he regrets making humans. Uh, I would say we need to dig in there. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean if every inclination of the human heart is evil? Um, that even our attempts to do good, even our attempts at imagination and creativity are um, tainted with something that God seems to think we need, he needs to limit our, you know, like, can you imagine if Hitler lived 900 years? Uh, so by the way, this is Calvinist Jonathan coming back on the podcast <laughs> with his total depravity take on it. Yeah. I, I, I think Hitler would not have lasted because, you know, there's a bomb, I believe, that fell on the building that he was occupying at the time. So regardless of how long he could have lived, that I think that bomb would have short shortened. So I guess one of the things that Lent does for me is not just think about the places where I'm bad. It gets me to think about the places where I'm trying to be good. Hmm. Interesting. So. Uh, huh. Tell me more about that. Well, I mean, okay, tell me about any villain, and I'll tell you the good thing they were trying to do. Yeah. Like, you know, Hitler is trying to restore national honor to Germany, right? Like, if you're watching a movie about Hitler and you don't know it's Hitler, and he's the protagonist, you're going to find yourself rooting for him until you're like, oh, wow, they should have told me his name early on. Um, You're like, I just liked his landscape paintings. <laughs> yeah, were, that's right. I, Poor yeah, guy missed art school. Yeah. Uh, Walter that's a hard, White. That's a hard, to, Yeah, okay. I mean, I literally made the Walter White 
like he seems like a decent guy at the beginning. Yeah. Hitler's a hard one to get behind, but let's just throw him out because he's typically seen as like the bottom ten worst people yeah, of all yeah. time. Sure, sure. But yeah, I think that's that's what at least what I'm trying to do for myself with these different stories of mm-hmm. you know the Pharisees of Cain of you know of Saul. Like I'm trying to say, like there, I see in them parts of me. Yeah, and I can't push them aside and say, "Hey, this has nothing to do with me." Right, I, right. I'm trying to say, "Hey, th- if I'm going to be honest, there are parts of me that are easily portrayed as a villain." Yeah. Our, so our thing, like we did Haman last Sunday. When are you doing Haman? Is it this Sunday? Uh, I'm going to do it in a couple of weeks. I switch things up, kind of. So for me, we, and we talked about this offline. You, I think I had Haman sermon, and you had Canaan. I know you had Saul and David, right? Which is yeah, I think I did that one. We all split up which sermon we were going to write. and then. Oh, kinda, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, so mine was Haman, and my take on it was because I, I grew up here. I know like in the South, people are really big on being respected and honor, but Haman's thing is honor. Mm-hmm. Haman's trying to get honor, which is kind of a noble thing. Like you, you don't want people to not care about honor. And, and I actually would argue that some of the huge setbacks in the last few years we've experienced as an American society is people dishonoring other people, thinking you're going to talk them into changing their mind by shame or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, you can call that cancel culture or you can, and conservatives do it as well as progressives. But um, Haman's honor at all costs ultimately ends up costing him everything and i mean that that phrase honor at all costs eventually it costs you everything yeah that's and right and the payoff isn't there that's right he, he winds up having a death of shame and yeah. all that kind of stuff but for for me it's the places that you're you know i think i told you that one verse that is a haunting verse in john where jesus tells the disciples time is coming when the people who um, kick you out of the synagogue and even try to kill you will be thinking that they're doing a service Something to good, God. Yeah. yeah, yeah, John sixteen, yeah, yeah. And I, I think um, Lent is a good time for religious people, for Christians, to look at not just the places where they're like, "Man, I really struggle with that," but the places also where they're trying to do something good, like. I, I, for example, I a huge fallacy I see people believe all the time is a just cause makes me a just person, and so yeah, you can, you know, like the ends justify the means if the means are yeah, just yeah, yeah. And, it's the sort of Machiavellian stuff that yeah, sure, you know, I know this might not be the right thing, but it gets me to the right outcome, and so right. we'll compromise that. Yeah, no, that's that's in all of us. It is, and it I, can. that's I, I love Lent. Lent's not something I think. Churches and Churches of Christ uh, in Central Arkansas have done, but man, at my eight years at Highland, the Christian calendar was such a blessing to me. Like I didn't want to. You don't give it up. Yeah, so I was. I didn't want to give up Lent. I see what you did there. Yeah, that's good. Well, you know, um, we're right now on the. I think it's the one year anniversary of the last gathering that we had before COVID at You're our right. church in Austin. You're right. Oh my goodness. Happy anniversary, I guess. Yeah, uh, that's a weird thing to say, <laughs> but it's true. One year later. I, it seems like it's uh 
we we didn't mean last night because I don't know if you heard. Like Texas has a governor who oh, just said right. that we can get rid of masks. Which congratulations, you guys defeated COVID nineteen. Yeah, I, I, has someone explained to you what masks are? Because I don't know if you guys ever had those in Arkansas. <laughs> but a lot of people wore masks during this uh, this pandemic. But so yeah, we're like we're meeting to discuss how to respond. The way that I engaged in that conversation compared to the one a year ago, like a year ago, I thought, okay, here's some certain things that we have to do. This is the right thing to do. And now it's just like, whatever, what, what are we supposed to do? It's just like, I, I is I it going to change in a week? Are we going to get something brand new? That's going to completely contradict whatever we come up with today. The ability that we have to manage and control what we're supposed to do in light. And plus, I mean, for the last two weeks, we had to cancel service in light of the snow apocalypse that came to Texas. Oh yeah. Man. Just like one how, thing after another, we just, what do we do? Dude, how was, how was things in Texas for you? It, I mean, for us personally, it, it wasn't a huge inconvenience. Lindsay had to work. And so I had to drive her to the hospital like there and back. And you know, it was right after, so the the roads were a mess. And did people all that. in your church lose power? Oh yeah, we had a lot of friends and family who were out power and water for lengthy period of time. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's I mean it's really terrible. I mean, there's awful stories of you know people with uh, complicated situations that I mean it, it was real dire for some people. Uh, you know, for us personally, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, my brother obviously he's a big Ted Cruz fan because he went to Mexico uh, during the whole thing. Uh, his trip was scheduled beforehand. He literally got on a plane to, I think it's Cancun or where, where, Cabo or wherever he went. And the weather was good when he got on the plane and when he gets off the plane, it's all melted and everything's back to normal in Texas. It's so like, that's what's the big deal. Yeah, I don't it, understand why my friends are freaking out. Yeah. I, honestly, yeah. the well played the, brother. Yeah. Maybe the seven me, but I was, I, I it was fun because yeah. we had, you know, once Lindsay was safely where she needed to be and back home safely, and you know, we were fortunate enough to have water and power and food at the house. Like I love, like our road was covered in seven inches of snow, and it reminded me of my childhood. And it's something that I didn't think my kids would ever have, like a snow week, let alone a couple yeah. of snow days. But just to be able to walk down the street with, you know, your snow clothes on and go sledding in the in the neighborhood, like I, that was yeah, we did the same thing. I mean, that was my childhood right there, and I was. I, I wouldn't think I would be able to have that experience with my kids in Austin, Texas. Now, Arkansas, you get you get snow somewhat. We got more snow. This is our second most snow we ever had. So it yeah. was definitely, it was complicated for church. But back to your one-year anniversary thing. Yeah, I I don't, I, I think most pastors that I know of are kind of exhausted because it takes all the good stuff out of uh church like the relational stuff and make you know you're you're having to produce content or you know yeah it is it's content right now it doesn't feel like it's yeah, yeah it doesn't feel like the word of the lord for the people of god yeah um do you guys have people wearing masks during service yeah you have to wear masks during service yeah, but our governor just said that's going to end at the end of the month yeah so <laughs> now we're trying to do the same thing y'all are like we want to be socially responsible but also treat people like adults that are adults, you know? It's, uh, yeah. So what I was going to say is like preaching to people with, with masks on, it's like, I, I feel like everyone's angry at me or they're about to rob me or something. Cause all <laughs> yeah. you see, all you see are their eyes. It's like they're, they're <laughs> yeah. bank robbers. Those and, beady little eyes just sticking yeah. out. Yeah. Like there's certain people like you have extremely considerate nonverbals. And mm-hmm. now with the mask on, I can't tell if you're like, 
yeah, hey, this right. is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, or this is like, anyway, yeah, I, I will be excited to uh, see people's faces. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. So, uh, anyway, Storm, thanks for coming back on. Uh, yeah, I, man. Uh, I hope in a small, subtle way that I'm inching my way up to number four on the list. Um, <laughs> you just got to knock off Ashley. Well, small price to pay. <laughs> uh, the ends might justify this. The means I yeah. can take to get there, but. It's- Anyway. Dude, I hope I hope uh, No Mask Texas works out great for you guys. Good luck with your Neanderthal thinking. I think that's what President Biden called you guys. Did he really? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I saw a headline about that. Yeah, um, that's. You know, it's it's almost like politicians when they deal with really important issues that they have secondary things that are motivating the things that they say and do no. not just, yeah, it's weird. I, like, I don't know. I, I, it would be hard to really prove that, but it seems that on occasion, it seems that politics is a game that some of them are playing. Well, anyway. all I know is when I think Neanderthal thinking, I think, Hey, I wonder who Luke's having on the podcast next. That's mean. So who are you having on the podcast next? Uh, the governor of Tennessee. So oh, speaking of politicians, you want to walk back your last statement at all? <laughs> uh, no, he actually had a, he, he, we were supposed to talk on Tuesday this week and then uh, his publicist said, Hey, he had to move it back. So maybe that is the, the anti-political stuff you're hearing right now. I'm just upset. He, uh, he had to cancel on it. It's mm. not canceled, but yeah. uh, no, he, Scott Sauls was on the podcast a while ago and he talked about how before the election, he had Michael Weir and governor Haslam, in service, talk about the benefits of the other party. So Weir's a Obama guy and talked about the benefits of the Republican Party. And, you know, Weir, uh, Haslam obviously was the two-term governor of Tennessee. He's a Republican. Talk about the benefits of the Democratic Party. And so when that book came in, I thought, wow, I really want to hear if this guy's exactly what Saul described. And I read, I'm like, yeah, this this is kind of what he's talking about. But wow, anyway, cool. so uh, that'll that'll be in the podcast uh, at some point. Um, your best friend AJ Share or uh, AJ Swoboda is coming on. That's right. After doubt, I'm holding the book right now. Do what about really? back hunting magic hills? Yeah, we're going to record. I think the week after, and then the week after that, I, I can't say his name. Ma- Mako Fujimata. Fu- you can't say it either. I don't know why I'm looking at you, <laughs> but. Uh, Hey, you know what it is? I think I'm about a month and a half, two months away from having a member of Destiny's Child on the podcast. So all these guests are just holding air. Richard Beck, you're just a placeholder until I get Destiny's Child on the podcast. AJ, you're just filling time. So all you, you know say. Really oh, you're going to geek out. Mm, it's only funny because it's true. All right, man. All thanks right. For, thanks for the time, bro. All right. Good talking to you. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.